everybody. Welcome to Media Review Pod, a variety podcast of discussions, opinions, and interviews focusing on the entertainment side of media. My name is Richard Santiago, and today I would like to welcome you to the Convergence. Yes, for the very first time, three hosts from three different podcasts have united here to unleash our thoughts after watching Warner Brothers' latest, The Batman. First up, he's one half of the pop culture podcast, Chichando, and a returning guest, Jovanovski. Welcome back. I'm Vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for having me back. And coming to you all the way from Puerto Rico as well, the host of the Movie Guy podcast, the Movie Guy himself, Omar Montelara. Welcome. How are you doing, guys? Thank you for the invite. Yeah, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming into the podcast. This is great to have you. This is a real treat to have both of you guys here. So how about if we just start right off the bat talking about Star Wars? Because the last time that Omar and I spoke was during a podcast dedicated to mm. The Mandalorian. <laughs> and it was very evident there that he and I had very different views from that show. All right. Now, it is no secret that I didn't particularly like The Mandalorian, although I did commend it for some of the episodes, especially the ones that felt kind of like in the spirit of, you know, being a successor to the Clone Wars animated show. So now, a year after the end of season two of Mando, we've seen the end of another series that tried to kind of bank on what Mando was building. Mm. I'm talking about... The Book of Boba Fett. Or as I lovingly call it, The Book of Bobby. The Book of Bobby. <laughs> I already know how Jovanoski feels about the show. But I'm curious to know what you... Well, unless Jovanoski, unless you want to just chime in real quick. Well, I'll let Omar speak first and then I'll chime in because I only saw the last like three episodes and it was because of Omar. All right, all right. So, uh... Omar... What did you think of the show? Well, interesting, the book of Boba Fett is a uh, tough nut to, to, to crack. Um, <laughs> That's an understatement. First of all, I, I really love the first two episodes. I really do love them. I love how it was filmed. I love the tone they were setting. I, uh, I love that it was almost like Dune because, you know, the Star Wars has a lot of influences uh, from Dune. Mm-hmm. And I was digging into it. I was into it. Okay. And then... They forgot about the first two episodes and they <laughs> introduced the Power Rangers in the, in the third one. And I was like, okay, where this is going? And then we had like the the crappiest, um, most lame uh, uh, chasing ever film in Star Wars. And oh, I'm like, yeah. okay, I don't get this show. <laughs> and for some reason, it turned into The Mandalorian. And I was like, okay, this is yeah. the best episode for the wrong reasons. <laughs> For the wrong reason. So, yeah, I, I have a lot of issues with uh, the Book of Boba Fett. Well, <laughs> you can imagine how I felt. <laughs> <laughs> Vindicated. Yes, this series sucks. <laughs> well, well oh, oh, all right. Yeah, I mean, so, so here's here's the thing. Um, when I watch these shows, I want them to succeed. I, I, I don't want them to be crappy. I'm, I'm pretty sure that all those people that worked on the show aren't making the show thinking, hey, let's make the most crappiest show you can ever handle, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it's very disheartening that a show like this that showed a bit of promise in the beginning just basically unraveled in the most spectacular way. Um, yeah, it's very, very unfortunate. But my core issue with the show 
and I've said it many times, Joe, and I think I've, I've told you before, it's that Boba Fett shouldn't have ever had a show. Because they're, they're parting from the premise that this is a cool character. Okay, so Boba Fett was a cool character, was a mysterious character, mysterious background. And that's all it was. It was the thought of how awesome this character could be that lived in our imagination that could never, ever live up to whatever they came up with for a show. Um, and mm. there you have it. That's basically what happened with the Book of Boba Fett. Look, this show was exactly what I thought that The Mandalorian was going to be, which is scary because... Um, looking back, I mean, The Mandalorian doesn't come off as being uh, as bad as I thought. It's actually pretty good. And it basically makes sense, most of it. Um, and then you fold in this Book of Bobby, and it I, I just don't understand where their heads were at when they were thinking and conceiving of the show. Because like Omar said, by the end, it just turns into The Mandalorian. And then you you have all these callbacks. Um, it's like they they gathered a, a focus group of fans, and they yeah. said, "So, what do you what do you want to see in a Star Wars show?" It's and so, people yeah. and people were saying, uh, "Guys, uh, how about if uh, we have a Rancor?" Yeah, Rancor. Yeah, you got it. W what about Danny Trejo? Well, Robert Rodriguez is going to be directing some of these episodes. <laughs> Why not? Um, it, it just came to a point where it was just so ridiculous. I was. I was just hate watching. I was watching because one one of my buddies was always called me up and said, "Dude, you got to watch this this latest episode cuz it's insane. It's so bad, it's insane." And it was just out of morbid curiosity basically. They they, they didn't seem to have any aim with the story. They they didn't have a focus on where they want to go, whereas the Mandalorian first season they have very focused where they want to go. The second one also felt the same way. And this one was like a, an afterthought. For some reason, they were like, okay, maybe we can do Boba Fett with the, with the Godfather, but then we're going to sprinkle the Mandalorian because, mm -hmm. you know, ratings. I don't know. And maybe if you want to buy into the controversy, you know, of the Mandalorian and his star not wanting to, to be with the helmet on. So maybe the book of Boba Fett came, uh, it was supposed to be Mandalorian season three, but then until that whole thing gets uh, resolved, then they are, are all of a sudden uh, had Book of Boba Fett, you know, like very brush and stuff. And then when it was resolved, they said, OK, then we can have the Mandalorian back into the series somehow. So, yeah, I guess we'll never know. But look, it says a lot about the show that the two best episodes of The Book of Bobby are with The Mandalorian, yeah. are about The Mandalorian. I mean, Boba Fett doesn't even show up in those two episodes. It's ridiculous. What, what, what were they thinking? I, I can remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. I, I can't remember any show that had done that. I, I don't remember any show <laughs> that had the <laughs> protagonist of another show come in and do two episodes. Yep. Yeah. Without the uh, the protagonist of this show, um, 
I mean, I've seen backdoor pilots. Right. Yeah. And still, you have the main characters in that backdoor pilot. That's but, okay. Yeah, but like exactly. Ahsoka, yeah, that, yeah. that was a backdoor pilot, mm -hmm. a great one. Yeah. I don't know what they did with this one. What what that happened? Why that happened? Yeah, but it got me to watch the show because I didn't watch no. it at first until I saw online the whole boss of. Uh, about the return of the Mandalorian mm. and everybody saying it was the best episode for the, for the wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, okay. And then the next one, when they brought back Luke and Grogu, I was like, oh. whoa. So people thought like it, it was going to get better, but then that finale, yeah. damn. Yeah, Omar, I have, I have a, a serious question to ask you. Yes. Oh, shoot. All right. So um, don't you think that the entire arc from Mando season one and two. Yeah. Um, the one with you have you have Mando and you have Grogu. They form a unit, like a father and son. And it ends with Mandalorian having to give up the son so yes. that he <laughs> can better himself, so that he can learn the ways of the Jedi um, and learn to defend himself. And uh, Grogu also has to make that decision of letting go of the person that he cares about so that he can go on this other journey. And then suddenly, by the end of this other show that has nothing to do, seemingly, with The Mandalorian, by the end, that entire arc that could have been resolved in season three just kind of shatters into nothing. Um <laughs> Right in the last minutes of that final episode of the Book of Bobby, it's I, it was I was dumbfounded when I saw that. I just I could what? not understand what was going on. I saw. What, what, what do you think? What um, you? You're talking about Grogu, right? About yeah. the arc with Grogu. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Okay, uh, here's the thing. Um, I I don't like to speculate a lot, but I've right. been following like all these diehard Star Wars uh, YouTube channels, and they all talk about um, a struggle between Lucasfilm, hmm. uh, an in, inward struggle between the Catholic faction and the John Favreau faction. I'm always thinking, like, maybe there's a lot of hot air and there's nothing in it. Mm -hmm. Hmm. But here's, here's the kicker. So they give Grogu to Luke to train. Right. And then for some reason that we can't explain... In the comics, that is canon. They put the the first um, Padawan of Luke Skywalker, Kylo Ren. So <laughs> yeah. they have to retcon yeah. the whole Grogu thing mm -hmm. in in the next year. I'm like, okay, doesn't that look like or feels like um, sabotage? They're trying to sabotage what the Mandalorian mm. actually created. Okay, well, it's speculation. Right, like you said, it's it's basically speculation at this point. It's speculation, yeah. Yeah, yep. but it it is very damning. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, look, I I don't want to fault people because we really don't know. But but here's the thing: the scripts for the show weren't great, plain and simple. No, that's true. They uh, they tried to do something and it just didn't work um and i'm glad that we're both on the same page this is this is awesome i wasn't expecting this so yay for us man yeah yeah this is great <laughs> yeah, it is <laughs> now keeping with the star wars vibe i wanted to ask you if you had seen 
the trailer for the new series Obi-Wan Kenobi, which actually dropped today. So if you saw it, what do you think? Um, I'm going to let Oscar go first in this one. Okay. <laughs> okay, first thing, I was... I was I am not against an Obi Wan series. I I really like the character and I wanna see it evolve. And I'm liking mm -hmm. this Star Wars Star Wars shows. Well, at least the Mandalorian part. So if they stick okay. uh, like something similar to that, then I'm gonna like this. Especially when I like Ewan McGregor and Obi Wan. So I I am excited at the possibilities. I saw the trailer. Mm -hmm. Um. I like the song choice. <laughs> it, it was very meticulously put there to, yes. you know, grab the. Okay, I see you guys do. Bye. Yes. Yeah. Like, like nostalgia, <laughs> nostalgia face. But it worked. I, I see it similar as Harry Potter, like what Fantastic Beast is doing with Dumbledore. I see mm. it with Obi Wan Kenobi. Like how we're going to get there to be the, the whole grand and knowledgeable wizard. <laughs> because Obi Wan okay. is kind of like a wizard, you know. Jedi's are kind of like yeah, they're space like fighting okay. space wizard exactly. So I am excited, even though the trailer didn't excite me. Hmm. Okay, okay. that's interesting. All right, Omar, what did you so, think? Okay, so here's my hot topic. I don't care about a, um, a series about Obi Wan. We know <laughs> yes. the whole story arc of Obi Wan Kenobi. Yes, it's, exactly. It's always been there. We we, yeah. we know how it ends. We yeah. know how it began. We have the middle in the Clone Wars. And then he spent 18 years in the desert watching the Skywalker and washing himself with sand. And that's it. That's all <laughs> that happened those 18 years. So this is completely uh, for nostalgia bite, uh, bait. And yep. I'm not going to buy that bait <laughs> i hated that they used the the dual the fates because yeah. it evokes a lot of things in all of us and let's face it the the sequel trilogy trailers were great because the music was great in those trailers and mm. those movies were horrible so i'm not excited mm. i'm gonna watch it because content i need to have content for my page that's the yeah. only reason i'm gonna watch it right but i'm not going there giddily I'm not going there. Like, <laughs> let's do this. Yeah, yeah, Oscar. Uh, I I'm sorry, but Omar is totally on track here with me. I have to agree with you, man. I mean, it, I'm I'm gonna watch it as well, but I just think that this trailer was complete nostalgia bait. Uh, and it's one of these things where I, I I've always complained about. Star Wars. It's this is such a huge galaxy, right? And we just keep going back to the same places. Yeah. Why are we back in Tatooine? We've been to Tatooine so many freaking times and and here we are again. An entire series, I'm guessing, it's all going to be in Tatooine. And I thought we were done with the whole Skywalker saga. I thought that was the point of the sequel trilogy, wasn't it? I mean, what yeah. what are we doing? What are we doing? We're just going back and forth, watching the same places and the same people again. I don't get it. Well, uh, I, I, I'm with you. I'm on the same page. I'm tired of seeing the same faces in all Star Wars yeah. um, canon. Mm -hmm. I want to see something new. Um, I know that people are going to get, get excited because it's going to be the Darth Vader versus Obi-Wan duel. Whatever. 
it, it breaks the canon, but okay, there's gonna be another duel. Um, but yeah, I think that we need to see different things about Star Wars, yep. and mm -hmm. at least in animation, they're doing it. We had mm -hmm. Rebels, yep. Rebels was great. Uh, we had the Bad Batch. Um, the first season wasn't that great, but it, it's an interesting take on Star Wars mm -hmm. in the uh, watching from the perspective of the soldiers. So at least in animation, they're mm -hmm. doing new things. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like in Star Wars Visions. Yeah, uh, Visions. It was it was great. Uh, I like a few of them. Mm -hmm. um, there's there were others that I wasn't enjoying. Then my wife was like, "Dude." Turn off the brain. Enjoy what you're watching. And then I got into it. <laughs> and then I got into it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I especially liked that it took us into different aspects of what Star Wars is. It gave us different characters. Um, it gave us different settings like that. Uh, the first episode, I remember, it's a black and white episode. It's a very samurai-heavy type of episode. Yeah. And it was very enjoyable. I really, really liked the way that they were diversifying the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah, it was great. And look, if they are able to take all of these new things that they're learning with the animated shows, um, I, I would hope that they are able to inject these new series, these new live action series with more stuff that is new. And so when that new Obi-Wan show comes uh, to Disney+, Plus, we can just get together and, you know, just talk about it. Yeah, that'll be fun. Changing gears here a little bit. As I mentioned before, Omar is the host of The Movie Guy, but he's also the co-host of a Star Wars-centric show called El Puño de Vader, which translates to Vader's fist right yeah but before we get into any of that oh. how about we get to know a little bit about you all right all right where were you born and raised i was born and raised in puerto rico especially in the area of santurce i was born there really i was born there too um all right so how did you get into podcasting um i started watching a lot of podcasts in the early 2010s and mm -hmm. i got into um religiously watching the AMC movie talk. And then when I had uh, my own comic book shop, because for four years I have a comic book shop. Oh, nice. There was this group called Engranaje that they have a, an audio podcast, an audio-based podcast. Mm -hmm. And I told them, hey, why don't we do this in video? And they started recording on the on the store. Mm -hmm. And then I started like almost producing because they weren't that, that tech savvy with video <laughs> and I would, uh, I graduated from graphic design. Okay. So, so I got the bug there mm -hmm. and then um, three, three to four years passed. And then I was like, dude, I got to do something. And I started the movie guy podcast to talk about movies. Oh, uh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. yeah go ahead. Uh, when, when it was released, the, mm -hmm. the script for the Colin Trevorrow Star Wars movie, Okay. I, I was like, I need to talk with somebody about this. I need to talk about this on a live. And then I, I got uh, in contact with Oscar and I say, dude, let's talk about this. Let's forget about anything. We don't have any page. We're just going to open up Facebook Live and talk about it. And that's how I got the bug again. I was like, it was so fun. And I was like, okay, I got to do this. Yeah. I was the first guest. Yes, he was. Big mistake. When the movie guy wasn't even <laughs> born yet. 
I mean, you can search that video. We've come a long way. Oh, yes. <laughs> quality and everything? Yes. Yes. Okay, so how did this lead into this new Star Wars-themed podcast that you have? Um. Well, I was, like, trying to find other things to talk about in, in the movie guy, and we already talked about every kind of movie, but I was like, I need something that I really passionate about. And so mm -hmm. it was Star Wars. And my wife was like, why don't you do a podcast about Star Wars? And I'm like, yeah, but with whom? And then she said, well, Jan loves Star Wars. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, great. We have good chemistry. So Jan Miranda is the co-host of that show because I said, one thing I don't want in the in the uh, Vader Fist or the Puño de Vader is that mm -hmm. I, want, I don't want to be the host. Because mm. hosting takes a lot of time yes. to keep the the show going, and you don't you don't keep that much opinion. You're always interested in the other person. So I want right. to talk on this one. Mm -hmm. So we are co-hosts. So are you just trying uh, to create like a podcast network of some kind? Yes, yes. There's something great. Right. I have another one with Oscar. We talk about uh, action movies and musicals. Yeah, it's. <laughs> It's called Entre Bailes y Balazos, which translates to between dances and bullets. Dances and bullets. <laughs> and it was nice. all because I wanted Oscar to watch Die Hard. Because I was like, okay, I had to get Oscar to watch that great movie. <laughs> yes, and I wanted him to watch Moulin Rouge and a yeah. bunch of oh, others. Yeah. So we left that for the big finale, Die Hard and Moulin Rouge. So how can people find these other podcasts? It's on YouTube and it's on Facebook, yeah. Yeah, on the Movie Guy channel. Everyone is experiencing a type of bat fever these days because of the Batman movie. So I, I wanted to know what your relationship was with the character. What was that first encounter mm -hmm. and how, if at all, do you identify with him? Uh, Giovanoski, you first. Oh, yes. I think my first encounter was uh, with Tim Burton's movie, but... The sequel, Batman Ooh. Returns, oh, okay. which is one of my favorite Batman movies um, and interpretations of, of Catwoman. I mean, that Catwoman mm. to me is I iconic, yep. not only her acting, but her look. I really love those kind of Frankenstein looks when people are in stitches, stitches yeah. like they're, they're so broken down. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I did a lot of, of draw, uh, drawings uh, with people on stitches because of that. But I love Batman Returns, and it was the same time I also saw the Batman animated series, which was okay. awesome yes. and very, very mature for a kid. You know, uh, in the 90s, I, I was a kid and I was watching Batman animated series and Gargoyles. Mm, we ha yep. had kind of like the same tone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So and, and looking back at, at this movie that we're going to talk about, The Batman, I see a lot of references from that animated series because mm. it felt a lot of like. The, the Mafia, you know, the, the Falcon, even though Falcon wasn't in, in the animated series, but there were a lot of, uh, how do you say this? Like like Mafia stuff, gangster stuff mm -hmm. uh, to it. A, a lot of guns also. So, yeah, it was Batman Returns and Batman animated series. I, I had Batman pajamas. I had <laughs> Batman birthdays. And that all translated to college when I had a... Uh, a backpack of Batman and a beanie and a jacket of Batman 
and people call me Batman. <laughs> like even my friends, some of, of my friends, they were like, "Oh, I know him. That's Batman." <laughs> like I was calling college Batman by people that didn't even know me just because they they saw me around campus, like wearing old Batman. I even remember um, the Batman symbol I, I had was the Tim Burton one, mm -hmm. which is more circular. Yeah. And Nolan's Batman was already starting, and one girl said. Oh, you had the old Batman symbol. I'm like, what do you mean old? What do you mean old? Because uh, Christopher Nolan was a pointier. You know, it, yeah. it doesn't have the circle on mm -hmm. it. Yep. So, so yeah, that, that was a fun anecdote. Mm, so you, you like vintage, <laughs> vintage Batman. What about you, Omar? Well, um, I started with uh, Alan West. I mean, I'm a bit older than, than Oscar, so yeah. yeah. But I, I saw that one too. I know, but I... <laughs> I started watching it that on TV on, on old reruns, mm -hmm. and then I remember uh, my father telling me, "Tomorrow, tomorrow we're gonna see Batman in the theater." Mm -hmm. I'm like, "Wait, there's a movie about Batman?" <laughs> and he was, "Yeah, I'm gonna see it tomorrow." And that day, I was so hyped for yeah. watching a movie about Batman, and I fell in love with Batman '89. That for me, mm -hmm. that was the gold standard of Batman movies. I'm not such a fan of Returns. Yeah, really? but... We've had this debate. <laughs> yes, we had wow. this debate. Uh, 89 is more fun. Mm -hmm. And then I, I was so hooked with Batman, man. I had Batman Mania. I will jump uh, on top of my father fighting. I'm like, Batman. And, and you know, with, the children, with the elbow or something like that. Um, and fun fact, I saw 89 like way after. Because I, I even saw wow. Forever and Batman and Robin in theaters before I watched 89. I was like, I need to watch the first movie, Dude, you know, to, to understand. You're making yeah. me feel old. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, and, I, and, and I saw Batman Forever in Nicaragua. I was really? in, in 95, 96. I was in Nicaragua and we went to a theater there. I I remember the little kid in me when we watched the, the shorts of, of the movie. I kept telling my mom, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. In Nicaragua, everything's different. No, that's not the movie. I was so immature. <laughs> that's not the trailer. Well, to tell you the truth, I really enjoy more Batman Forever than Batman Returns. I know they're not wow. the same quality okay. as cinema, yeah. but I enjoyed more Batman Forever. But obviously, Batman and Robert killed it for me for a couple mm -hmm. of years. Um, Batman only lived in my comic books and obviously on the TV shows, especially Justice League in that time, oh, Justice yeah. League Unlimited. Mm -hmm. uh, and obviously when Nolan came with Batman Begins, I was like, okay, yeah, that's why I love Batman. Mm -hmm. Then he became cool to like comic books. So oh, was yeah. Like, I, was, I was in the closet of being the geek. No, no, <laughs> I don't read comics. Yes, I do. <laughs> And yeah, Batman the, Begins was like, yes, it's cool. You can come out no more. Yeah, the 2000 was the comic resurgence because yes. we had yeah. X-Men, we had Spider-Man, mm -hmm. and then later what will eventually become the MCU juggernaut. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, for me, it also began with the television series. I am also a bit older <laughs> than you, Jovanovsky, so there's that. Um, and then I remember... Going to the theater to see Batman, mm -hmm. the movie, was a very interesting experience because I went with my older brother. He was always a fan since he was a kid. He was one of those kids who had pajamas and underwear for Batman. He was always also saying, I'm Batman. Um, 
And he took me to the theater. When we got there, we got there late. So the movie had already started. But oh, yeah. we, we got there mid, mid, midway and we sat down. We watched the rest of the movie. I had no idea what was going on, but everything was mesmerizing to me. The music, mm-hmm. the, uh, the makeup, um, the set design. Even though at, those, at that moment, I didn't know exactly what those different aspects of filmmaking were, I could still appreciate them. And here's the cool thing. So after the movie ended, my brother said, so um, do you want to stay over and watch the rest of the movie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I go, wait, what? You can you can actually do that? He said, yeah, we haven't seen the beginning, so let's stay. And that's what we did. Back then, nobody cared. So we stayed and we watched the entire movie. And that was another awesome experience. Um then I remember all the uh, toys, action figures, uh, Batman with weird wings, Batman with a new suit, and the Batcar, and it was just, it was great. It's, yeah. it's a very, um, it's a part of my childhood that I that I cherish. Um, and along came Batman Returns. And even though it's so different from the first one, I think I like it more than the original. I'm sorry, Omar, but yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's, that's okay. That's uh, that's that's how I feel about it. I think ev- even though it's it's so over the top, it's so exaggerated. <laughs> it's sometimes it can be even a bit campy. Uh, I I really like how grotesque it is. I love the music as well, um, and. I I th- I think that the whole makeup thing got upped a notch in that one, especially with all the body horror stuff with the penguin and his hands and and whenever he eats something it's kind of gooey and fleshy. Um so I I I really enjoyed Batman Returns. Um also I fell in love with uh Michelle Pfeiffer. So it's it's that part of my childhood that um, I can identify because I saw that movie more times than I care to remember. Uh, it it was on loop on HBO. I want to admit it. <laughs> um, and and then came along the Joel Schumacher movies and uh, <laughs> yeah, Batman and Robin just kind of killed it for me. I'm going to be a Batman and Robin defender. Why? Because I really wow. liked it. It's very mm. fun. And mm. when we when we get to this movie, yeah. uh, the adult in me likes uh, the mature Batman. Okay. But I really feel okay. for those little kids that can go mm-hmm. to the theater and watch that type of Batman movie, like, yeah. like Batman and Robin. Like, yeah. we want to see these villains colorful, you know, in, in live action. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. I understand that you want to defend uh, Batman Forever. That's fine. I'm cool. That's totally fine. But it's fun. They push it too yes, hard. Yes, it's, it's fun. It's, it's fun, fun movie. But come on. Give me a break. Batman and Robin. I, I'm not alone in this. I'm not alone in this. So, yeah. Okay. I, I, I found a few defenders of Batman and Robin. Really? So, it, yeah, wow. it's, it's a I fun movie. A okay. I, it's okay. a bad movie, but it's a fun movie. I'm not one of them. I'm a Batman Forever defender. Ooh. So, Joanoski, <laughs> are you saying are you saying that this movie is so bad it's good mm, not necessarily i mean the adult in me the the 
that a cineasta, the, the movie Filmmaker? maker in me knows movie it's buff. a bad movie. The yeah, movie, movie buff in, or movie maker, yeah, yeah, movie knows buff. it's a bad movie. It's a bad script. It's okay. very punny. Uh, George Clooney is not doing Bruce Wayne. He's doing George Clooney dressed up as Batman for Halloween. I I, I know those things, mm -hmm. but it's so campy, and and I love camp. I love theater. You know, I love drag. So I, I it really touched some bottoms. I, I I love it. I can you can put it and I can watch it like repeatedly. Okay, all right. I mean, but the credit card though. The credit card scene. <laughs> well, oh, we, we can say a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, the, the, the Ice Age didn't kill the dinosaurs. So, yeah. It was the Ice Man coming. Uh, <laughs> that's not. Let, so, yeah. All right, everyone. Let, okay. All right. Enough. <laughs> enough. That's got, I, I'm, to all the haters, the Batman and Robin haters, I say, chill. Wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. Okay. It's quotable. Oh, it is. All right, so why do you think that this character has captured the imaginations of so many people? Why, why Batman? But first off, I, I think because of the darkness. Well, at least uh, for, for, for boys, I'm going to say for, for little boys, uh, the darkness, the coolness, the gadgets, the Batmobile, the Batcave, you know, mm -hmm. uh, we have that fantasy of being a millionaire, of having a butler, having everything, and just play with our with our stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's what Batman does. It's like a grown-up little kid. So there's that part of it. The adult in me loves the, the darkness, the developed characters. Like Batman has the best rogues gallery. I'm not saying one of the mm -hmm. best. Yeah. And like even the new villains uh, are awesome, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, he, he the Harley Quinn was a new character from the animated series. Then we also have the Court of Owls, which is cool. We have Professor Pig. We have a lot of other characters. Uh, oh yeah, back uh, uh, Batman, the, the Batman who laughs. Uh, the Batman who laughs. Yeah. Yeah, they, there's and even Punchline, which is the new substitute uh, for the Joker's girlfriend. So. I, I don't know what the Batman writers have that they come up with such cool characters mm. and very different from each other, you know? Like yeah. there's the Mr. Freeze is different from Poison Ivy, which is different from Catwoman. Mm -hmm. So it, there's a variety of, and they're very complex. They're they're very psychologically com, uh, complex and they all have their own, what do you say, goals and, and stuff. Mm. So they... Uh, challenge Batman in different ways, okay. so that makes for great stories. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm gonna shut up now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. It's fine. I feel inspired and everything. Oh, I, I love Batman. I love this universe. I love Gotham City. Everything. You know. <laughs> what about you, Omar? What do you think this, this is going on? Uh, I think that all that Oscar said is very important about why Batman is, is such a great character. But I think that. It goes a bit deeper. I mean, Batman is the only character that actually started as a kid. Mm. He 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 felt powerlessness, and as a kid, you can identify with a bully, and in this case, this bully killed your parents. Mm -hmm. And this character decided from that moment on he will never be a victim. And if you are a, a, a kid that has been bullied, mm. and you read this 
this guy that grew up to be the greatest detective, the greatest superhero, one who has no powers, but he's fighting alongside with Superman and Wonder Woman and the Flash. Mm -hmm. You're like, okay, I can identify with this character. This character, I can be this character. I can stop being the victim. And um, that's, it's like like He-Man, right? He-Man's the first hero that says, I have the power. The kid can yell, I have the power. Batman makes you be the vengeance, be the the one with the power. All right. Well, from what I've heard, it looks like you guys really like this character. Yeah. Uh, So... We're going to do a quick rapid fire. Just you guys. I'll ask. You answer. (laughs) These are your favorite variations on the character of Batman. All right. First, Omar and then Jovanovsky. All right. All right. Okay, here we go. Animated or live action? Um, Live action. Live action. Serious or camp? Serious. Ah, serious. Bat nipples or nipple-less? <laughs> nipple-less. The nip. <laughs> Give me the nip. Free the nip. Okay, Batfleck or Bale? I, can, I didn't catch that one. Batfleck or Bale? Batfleck? Which one, Batman or Bruce Wayne? Uh, both. Okay. Batman, Affleck, Bruce Wayne, Bale. Okay. All right. All right. Batmobile or Tumblr? Batmobile. Bat- <laughs> I'm sorry. Batmobile. There's no Tumblr. To kill or not to kill? Um, I have no problem with killing in the movies. Not to kill, no guns, no nothing. Vengeance or hope? Vengeance. Vengeance. DCEU or solo films? Mm. Right now? Mm-hmm. Solo films. Okay. Always and forever solo films. All right. And that concludes our game of Rapid Fire. Okay, guys. The time has come. This is our feature segment. To talk about the Batman, yeah, we'll have two sections. Yeah. One will be a spoiler-free section, and then the other one will be full-on spoilers. All right? So here's a brief synopsis about the movie that we're going to be talking about. It's The Batman, directed by Matt Reeves and written by Matt Reeves and Peter Craig. Here goes. A killer is on the loose, leaving behind clues for our hero, The Batman. As bodies keep mounting and the truth unravels, the masked vigilante finds himself involved in a decades-old conspiracy. Okay, here's here's another one. <laughs> Two detectives hunt a serial killer who has left them clues that will lead them on a cat-and-mouse chase that will head close to home. That is seven. seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, he did it on purpose. Yeah, yeah. of course. Uh, yeah, of course I did. Uh, it's amazing how, uh, how much... Th- uh, this film feels like seven, but we'll talk about that later. Probably let's talk spoiler free uh, in this section. So I want to hear from you, Omar. What did you yeah. think about this movie? 
Uh, I was not into this movie. Uh, I thought that we already seen this kind of Batman. I know that they say they're going to play on the detective angle, which is the basically the only angle they had to spoil of Batman. Right, yeah. Um, Joanoski knows it. I, I was against this movie. <laughs> and I watched it, and it was three hours long, and... Yeah. Pattinson is Pattinson is not like my favorite Batman, but you know what? Okay. I I had a kick out of this movie. I really wow. liked it. I know that is copying Fincher both in mm -hmm. Seven oh, yeah. and Zodiac. Yep. Um, yep. but the difference is that Matt Reeves never forgot he was making a Batman movie, mm. okay. and for me that was key. He never forgot he was making a Batman movie. He didn't make this artsy, fancy, dark movie <laughs> like Remember Returns. Oh, or wait, I'm sorry, John Novosky. <laughs> and he didn't make uh, like we're gonna do this serious uh, crime, uh, whatever. I don't uh, crime movie with Christian Bale, and it's, they forget that this is a Batman movie, mm -hmm, and this mm -hmm. one is a Batman movie, and I really enjoyed that one. Uh, plus, um, the cinematography was. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, music was great. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why they used the Peter Marsh for Batman, but <laughs> that's a hot topic. But oh, I really yeah. enjoyed oh, it. Yeah. Okay. All right. What about you, Jovanovsky? So I was very excited for this movie. Okay. Like, very. <laughs> Firstly, because I, <laughs> uh, I love Robert Pattinson mm -hmm. since, since the Goblet of Fire, since the Twilight movies. So you like his sparkly cheeks and like two other <laughs> serious ones that he did. Uh, I, I haven't seen the lighthouse. I want to see it. Mm. But the, the thing with this one is the Riddler is one of my two favorite Batman villains. The other one being two face. Mm. Uh, of course, I love Harley. But if we're going to get really into Batman villains, uh, for me, it's Riddler and two face, which I don't like in Batman forever. I don't like that interpretation of those characters because to me, those were Joker wannabes mm, in, yep. instead of what I know those characters could be. Right. So I always wanted Nolan to do a Riddler film after I saw what he did with the Joker. Mm -hmm. I saw it was like a natural progression, but he went another direction. So when I saw this opportunity for a serious Riddler, mm. I was like, yes. And then when we started seeing the trailers, it was like a jigsaw which I love Saw. So I was like, <laughs> yes. So everything just kept building up. I was really excited. Then when I we learned that it was loosely based on the long Halloween, which I have and I loved. So, yeah, I, I was... Okay, you're talking about the comic book run, The right? comic book, the long Halloween, yeah. Uh, which are the, they did a movie, a two-part movie, uh, which I recently saw. Uh, I, I didn't see it. I wish the mm. artwork were similar to the comic book, which it wasn't. But anyway, so two things. First, I saw mm. the Long Halloween uh, movies to like freshen up on, on that. We saw The Godfather the week before The oh, Batman. Yes. Which I saw it for the first time in, in theaters because of the anniversary. So I was in that, which I love. I, I, I love. I want to see the sequels also. So no, I was already. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You had never seen The Godfather. No, no. I... it wow. was amazing 
what being in the theater watching Oscar in, in that <laughs> the scene of the uh, in the bedroom. Yeah. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, it's coming, it's coming. And you see Oscar's face when he sees the horse. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, it, was, it was a horror movie, which I love horror movies. So so yeah, that, that yeah, that's an offer he couldn't refuse. Ex <laughs> exactly. So we I was in, in the mood, I was in the zone. So I absorbed this movie, The Batman, when I saw it, and, and mm. I really liked it. We're going to get into the details, right? Oh, All right, great. Uh -oh. uh, so where do I begin? Um, look, I think Robert Pattinson is great. Uh, we get a glimpse of an emo slash grunge slash gothic Bruce Wayne. Um, but through most of it, he's behind the cowl. And I think that's great. I think it's a testament to his performance. You know, that was one of my biggest complaints about the Nolan Batman movies, that there wasn't enough Batman, especially in The Dark Knight. Um, yeah. And there's something about his eyes, you know, literally and figuratively. Um, and the fact that he's not obscenely buff makes him more relatable i don't know it's he he feels more down to earth um zoe kravitz she just owns this role yes. her screen presence is undeniable i was a big fan of the gordon batman body cop relationship because it just it felt real it felt like a real relationship you can actually feel that they have a history there um you know, that leads me to another thing that I really dug about this movie, which is the detective aspect to it. Yeah. Because I think it's the first time that I really felt like Batman was doing some real detective work. Uh, you, you had moments that felt a little bit like Sherlock Holmes, where he sees something that feels yeah. like a clue, and then he just pursues that, uh, and then it keeps... Uh, evolving into something else. I I really love that. Um, Andy Serkis, mm. uh, his take on Alfred, uh, e even though it was kind of short, yeah. I think it was a strong entry into the annals of Batman lore. Uh, but the heroes here are basically two guys. Number one, cinematographer Greg Frazier, who made an almost monochromatic film actually have some yeah. color palette red uh yeah. his camera placement made for spectacular visuals especially during the chase scene which we can discuss later i think it's the best chasing i've seen in a long Ooh. time i can't remember a chasing that was like so hype like like this one. yeah it was all in close-ups it's from the perspective of the characters you never lose uh what their mindset is, you know, yeah. you're, you're right there with them. The other thing is the lens choice here. He brings a, a different, it, it feels, it feels visceral. It, it, I don't know, it's, it's this visceral aesthetic. It makes Gotham look like, uh, like a real shithole. You know, I don't think there was a moment outside the city where I was thinking, oh, this is a set. No, and everything just looked mm. lived in. Yeah. And the other guy that I think was the hero of this film is Michael Giacchino because his score for this movie 
just takes it to another level. I've been listening to it nonstop since it came out on Spotify, yeah. and it's it's beautiful. It's soaring and it's sexy where it needs to be. One of one of the things of the score I, I recognized when we were in Selena's apartment mm -hmm. is that her Catwoman music was very reminiscent of the Batman Returns, yep. like with the strings yeah, and right. the sounds of like hmm, this sounds like Batman Returns. Yeah, yeah, it was sexy at points. And also a red herring sometimes that made callbacks yeah, yeah. to something that happened before and it makes you mm. doubt some things. I'm telling you guys, look, the entire first hour of this film was incredible. It had me. All the setup worked great. And then I don't know what happened. Things just got out of hand and the movie for <laughs> me just came crashing down look i'm i'm a big fan of matt reeves movies uh, i've been following his career since the beginning i love his entries into the planet of the apes uh, franchise so i was i was really looking forward yeah. to this one but man it just i don't know man that that final half of it 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 just didn't work for me Look, I can't say that it's bad because it's not okay plus I'm probably in the minority here because pe people really seem to like this movie um, including you guys <laughs> but there, there were things that just didn't work for me in the end you know the pacing was very laborious I get that detective work takes time uh, but guys this is a three-hour movie come on definitely not earned we, we were talking about it in in the podcast and mm -hmm. one of the things i said is uh the movie has two climax because okay when when the movie goes uh, for me the climax of the movie is when well we're not we're not in the spoiler territory but when there is that revelation that um bruce learns mm -hmm. The movie shift. Now Bruce has to search the answer for this revelation. Yep. And when uh, how to talk about this without spoilers? <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, how about if we put a pin on that? All right, let's put a pin on that. Okay. Yeah. So jumping off of what you were saying, you know, the plot just gets to a point where you find yourself doing mental gymnastics to kind of make this whole thing work it shouldn't be this difficult because this is a quite straightforward story um it just gets difficult for difficult sake mm. um and it just feels like an amalgam of other films like seven zodiac like you said saw uh and i think those movies do it better um and then this movie just felt too dark. But the biggest thing for me um, is that there, there's nothing new here. What's, what's the new take on Batman? Yeah. What new thing validates this movie existing? And honestly, this is very personal, but 
I don't think there's anything new. There's nothing new about Batman in this movie. I, well, I like the idea that all of these characters exist in the same city. Mm. Like, you don't need to have just a movie about this villain. And this is the villain from this movie. Like, they all coexist. They, they are interchanged. Some people may say that, oh, I forgot that Catwoman was in this movie. Oh, I forgot that the Riddler was in this movie. But Gotham City is so big and everything is happening at the same time. So, yeah, maybe Batman is going to one direction. Then this one's going over here and then that one's going there. So I like that that idea, which uh, you can see in the comics and you can see in, in the animated series. Mm-hmm. Like... A lot of the villains are exist in the same place. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So uh, I think we should move into spoilers. So from now on, uh, if you haven't seen the movie, you can turn this off, go watch it, and then come back and listen to this whole spiel. All right. Spoilers starting now. All right, Omar. Let's take that pin out and uh, just tell us w- w- what you were thinking. Okay, my, my thing with the movie is that the, the movie sh- shifts when uh, Bruce knows about his father, the mm. revelation, right? Right. So he has to come to terms with that revelation. Mm-hmm. And then we have this final confrontation with Falcone. It's very tenseful. And all the teams in the movie comes together in that scene. We, we have the theme of vengeance versus mm-hmm. justice. We have the theme of, of the sins of the father. We have... Everything com- culminating in that moment, and for me, it was a great ending. In the, at that point, mm. my my perfect version of, the, of this movie would have been that the kid, uh, the Riddler kills Falcone, mm-hmm. but we never catch him, and that's the end. Okay. And Batman has to face now this new reality that there's somebody somebody that is greater than him, and he didn't catch him. Mm. Um. The, the other thing is that then they have to do a fourth arc because they have to resolve the Riddler. Right. And then we have to come uh, begin again with the tension buildup when we had that amazing release. Then he had to retake again the themes of vengeance and justice and everything and pay it off again 45 minutes later. Right. I'm like, why? Yep. There was no need. Mm-hmm. The movie could have ended right there with Falcone, and that's it. The, we never catch the Riddler. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And that will have a great. Yeah, yeah, uh, that could have worked. Uh, the only thing is that I think it goes a little bit deeper than that because that is actually what I think is is the end for Selena's arc, right? Yeah. Um, and so it ends for her, but not for for the Batman. Uh, but but here's here's my biggest issue with this movie um and it, it's just a, a a reflection of of most of of my issues with the movie and it's this um so he goes to falcone and falcone tells him this elaborate story about his father only for it to be completely contradicted by alfred in the what in the next scene um and this is just me trying to figure out what the writers were thinking uh Tying this knot over here, and then immediately, like what the next scene, untying it for us, untying it for the audience, it just it, it structurally it just didn't make much sense. And there's a lot of this all throughout the movie. It was a nice moment of of tension. You know, uh, Bruce had this um, idol in his father, and then in that scene with Falcone. 
it just immediately crumbles. So it's a it's a nice tension that you have to then merely minutes later unravel it and just uh, cancel it. It just gets canceled out. I just couldn't understand what the writers were thinking. Well, to me, it was just to make Falcone an even better character because he lied to Bruce and then, you know, you need to vili vilify him mm -hmm. because he was just too suave, too, too good to be true. So that kind of like turned the table more for him to go down. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. And Melly also said, and a lot of people like, the pace is slow, it's long. That wasn't my experience at all. I watched it uh, for a second time yesterday and I was saying, wow, the pacing is really good. It, it really it has beats. It, it has really beats. moves so fast. For me, I was like, oh, we're over okay. here. Like this thing yeah. went to this thing. But maybe because I, I'm experiencing it uh, from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was very fast. I, I, I appreciate a director that actually trusts in the audience. And okay. I get what all you're saying. But take, for example, The Force Awakens. The Force mm -hmm. Awakens is a, dire uh, JJ is a director that doesn't believe in his audience. <laughs> so every three minutes, there has to be an explosion, a run, uh, <laughs> an action set piece. There has to be something to keep people interested. Mm. You can actually count it. It's like five minutes. Every five minutes, something happens in the movie that makes the character move. Matt Reeves give you like a 10 minute bit, a 10 out of 10 minute mark, just something happens that keep you interested, but there's this low burn that actually you can enjoy. Hmm. Again, the movie is so beautiful that every single frame, I was like, oh my God, they, they did that in the frame. They did that in the other frame. How they use the color red. Oh my God, this is so great. Um, yeah, I, I was very into the movie and I, I, I went there to hate it, actually, and I ended up liking it. Yeah, and people could criticize the, the last part, which I don't think it has four acts. It has five, because mm -hmm. then you start building up another climax that you have to resolve. So mm -hmm. it's technically five acts. But you needed that because the Gotham City, you know, the, the, the civilians mm -hmm. needed to see a, a hero Batman. Because the whole stuff with Falcone is very contained. Mm -hmm. Like the city doesn't know that Batman is the hero at the end of, of it. So here he is in the spotlight. Like people and the politician are seeing that this, this city needs this vigilante. Like Batman became from a whisper to an actual hero. So yeah, that's yeah. how and, I see and it. Look, don't get me wrong. I like the arc in this movie. I, I get the arc and I actually like it. You know, this movie is a movie where Batman learns how to be Bruce Wayne. Yeah, okay. That's the way I see it. I buy that. He basically learns that the whole vengeance thing just isn't going to make things in his city better. He, he, he says, actually, I need to become something else, a symbol of hope. And I really enjoyed that. Some people don't quite like it, but I think it's a really good arc. And by the way, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's actually similar to the arc that Kal-El takes in Man of Steel. Yeah. Because in Man of Steel, he kind of has to learn how to be Clark Kent. He's basically, during that film, he's, he's a nomad going from city to city, not quite fitting in. And then, in the end, when he's in the, in the newspaper room, he gets to put his glasses on. Basically being a symbol of him learning 
how to be Clark Kent in this world. He learns how to finally be amongst people and for the people. And the same thing happens here with Batman. Batman learns how to be Bruce Wayne. Could have said it better myself, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the reveal of the Riddler could have been more powerful if we could have, mm -hmm. we have seen Paul Dano at the beginning of the movie okay. when Alfred says, um, there's some accountants here to see uh, you about Wayne Enterprises, mm, right? Okay. And then we we learned that Paul Dano was an accountant investigating Wayne Enterprises. <laughs> okay. So maybe if we had that shot, Bruce interacting with this nobody, nobody mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then we had the reveal, oh, he's the Riddler. But what happens in the social media world, everybody knew that Paul Dano was the Riddler. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So that would yeah. be a spoiler for the movie. No, just do it. In, invest for the people that don't know because when, when you're seeing a detective movie like this one like he's trying to find who is the Riddler mm -hmm. it is great if we have seen it all along in the movie right. and mm -hmm. we didn't know yeah and we didn't know the actor yeah, yeah. The, the, the. but I, I like the interpretation of this Riddler that was one of the things I was most looking forward to because I am all for unsolved crime, serial killers. Mm -hmm. I have watched a lot of documentaries. Oh, yeah. I so know. <laughs> I know the first one that comes to mind, which is a direct, um, I had, how do you say, inspiration. It's the Zodiac, you know, the Zodiac killer. Mm -hmm. But he also has a lot from the Unabomber. I don't know if you guys know about that, that yeah. one, but the Unabomber, his intentions was against the, the industrial establishment uh, establishment against okay. the system and he was a very smart man he went to harvard and he went to another university and he also taught the police and oh. and the fbi he said that the fbi was very uh, how do you say it like they they weren't doing his job right mm. like and he saw it firsthand you know like they there are a bunch of idiots that were yeah kind of <laughs> idiots incompetent and on their jobs so so I see a lot of similarity from the Riddler, from Unabomber and Zodiac, because of course Zodiac uh, left the the ciphers and and the symbol, mm -hmm. and at least to this day we don't know who the Zodiac is. You know, right. we, we have three possible suggestions, mm -hmm. and Unabomber was caught, but I I, I like those real life references. Mm -hmm. He even says this is a Riddler speaking, and that's how the Zodiac. Uh, exactly yeah, well, he, he named like, himself like, and i think it was after he had a watch i mean one of the presumed people that they thought it was zodiac he had a watch about zodiac with with the symbol so that's where it came from speaking of the riddler uh one thing i really liked about this movie is that the villain actually helps bruce wayne realize what he has to become because when he confronts mm. one of the riddler's minions he, and and he says to Batman, I am vengeance. He takes that as to meaning that people have been misconstruing his phrase all along and have been interpreting it their own way. And so he realizes that um, vengeance only feeds the hate and that he needs to become a beacon of hope. And so the Riddler eventually just becomes the catalyst for Bruce Wayne understanding what he needs to become. I have a question for you guys. Okay. Do you think because after watching a second time, you see things different, differently about that finale with the Riddler and Bruce Wayne, I mean, Batman face off. Do you think, and, and let me finish first. 
okay. that the Riddler knows that Batman is Bruce Wayne. Because at first glance, you're you're led to think that he knows that Batman is Bruce Wayne. But then if you take that away, you're just seen as Bat- Bruce Wayne's paranoia because it could go both ways. What do you guys think? Uh, Omar, you go. Is he toying with him or does he really well, know? First, I thought he, he knew he was Bruce mm-hmm. Wayne. But then Orengo yesterday started talking oh. about it and he said that, yeah, there's a way that is played that is not like that. And I'm like, okay, I had to watch it again. So in my canon, mm-hmm. until I watched it again, he knew he was Batman. So I had to watch it again. Yeah, no, even even Batman knows the, the part when he wakes out of it, of the, out of the paranoia. And he's like, oh, he doesn't know who I am. He's just saying that Bruce Wayne escaped was the, the, the only one that, of the victim that, that escapes. But yeah, he, he starts shouting Bruce Wayne, but it, it's on another Yeah, yeah, that context. was, I mean, that was intentional. It was but, basically made for you to think that the Riddler knew who Batman was. Yeah. Um, and th- there was a moment where I said, oh shit, he knows, he knows he's Bruce Wayne. But then the turn comes and he starts chanting Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne, and that's when I knew he had no idea because we realized that Bruce Wayne is a target and he was hoping that Batman would help him with with that target. Um, so there are a bunch of other things that I would like to talk about in this movie, but I know we're running a, a bit too long. So I just want to mm-hmm. just enumerate them real quick. Uh, there's this mm-hmm. phone call. That is very coincidental. Yeah. Uh, it was perfectly recorded. Uh, it drops at the right time. Mm. The city is under sea level for some reason that we never know until it happens. A little bit of planting there would, would have been great. And then there's the whole end sequence where you have all these uh, Riddler followers who infiltrate this mm. stadium and uh, coincidentally the mayor looks up and she sees them I, I don't know every everything about that final sequence was kind of iffy for me and then there's the joker which i don't even want to talk about um so yeah uh final thoughts on the movie guys before we wrap it up um uh, for me the batman it's a slow burn that actually it's kind of fun. If you're a fan of Batman, you're going to get a lot of thing out of it. It's beautiful shot. And for me, it was very fun. So yeah, I can still know my best Batman. Uh, I'm not in love with Pattinson, but it was a great Batman movie. Yeah, I really, I really liked it. I am optimistic for the future. Like I like this world. I like the, the characters. I like the actors. And they're hinting that maybe in the future we were going to see a Mr. Freeze, which uh, I don't know how it would work in a real setting context. That would be great. But, but, but I'm excited for it. So, so I liked it. And I think Robert Pattinson proved himself. Maybe he's not like overly tremendous for some people, but I think he did an okay job at best. Like I don't see people say he's the worst Batman. You know, mm. no, because there's a Josh Coon. Well, uh, I'm, I'm actually glad that we got this movie out of the way, because to me, 
you know, whatever comes next feels like it serves these characters better. You know, in the end, to me, this movie felt a bit bloated and at some point just flat out boring. You know, I wanted to have fun with the Batman, but all I got in the end was just a bunch of daddy issues, a dirty Gotham, and a villain that was okay, I guess. And that's about it. So, uh, Giovanoski, where can people find you and your work on social media? Chichando in all of social media. Yeah, I'm taking right, uh, like a little vacation from okay. me, but at least you can see posts of, of news and memes and stuff. So, yeah. All right. What about you, Omar? Well, you can find me at all social media as the movie guy PR and obviously all over. Our podcasts are in YouTube and in Facebook, and we go live in both platforms and Twitch every Tuesday at 8.30. All right. Very cool. And you can find us on Twitter at Media Review Pod. That's Media R-E-V-U-E Pod. And you can send us emails with questions, comments, and suggestions to MediaReviewPod at gmail.com. Or you can leave a voice message by calling 407-603-5847. Please do not forget to subscribe to our feed and rate and review the pod with five beautiful stars. Now, I remember my mother telling me about the rain. So I'm telling you guys, if you're out in the rain for as long as the Batman is in this movie, you'll definitely develop a raspy, whispery voice. <laughs> so remember to always carry a cough drop in your bat pocket. And of course... Don't forget to breathe. Till next time, have a good one. Bye-bye. See you guys. Bye.